but yeah, I mean, if BQN can lose at Code Golf by writing better code, that's that's a like that's a win at life, right? It's much uh, better, actually. So depends what you're living for, Marshall. <laughs> I live for the character count. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of ArrayCast. I'm your host, Connor, and today with me, we're going to have a discussion with our four panelists, and we're going to start off by going around and doing brief introductions. So we'll start with Stephen, then go to Bob, then go to Adam, and then go to Marshall. I'm Stephen Taylor. Happy New Year. I'm an APL and Q programmer. I'm Bob Terrio. Happy New Year to everyone as well. And uh, I'm a J enthusiast. I'm Adam Brzezowski. I represent APL here. I'm Marshall Lockbaum. I'm a former J programmer and dialogue developer, and uh, now I make BQN. And as mentioned before, my name is Connor. I am a polyglot programmer, primarily C++, but I'm a huge array language fan. So I think we're going to do two short announcements. We'll go to Adam first for his one announcement and then over to Marshall. So the Twitter poll on the name for this podcast that I've been studying with Richard Park came out with a very clear answer. APL cast notation as a tool of thought. Um, no question about that. Now, of course, there's a question as to how do we spell it? Because Connor said it originally without a space and APL uppercase C cast. And then I put a space in and he protested and I say, maybe it looks strange because of deprivation. Maybe we'll have to do another, uh, another poll on how to spell it. In which case we'll put a link in the show notes. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I protested the space. I just like patterns. And there are, I thought, three podcasts, CPP cast, Lambda cast, that definitely don't have spaces. Uh, and I thought that our podcast was ArrayCast, but then I actually went and looked it up in the podcast registry, and we have it named the space Array Space Cast. So that was the thing I was going to mention is like, what is, what's, what is, I, need, I know what it's named in the podcast registry. What is our what is our official name? Do I not know the name of our podcast? So the good news is whether you put a space in or not, people will just assume it's whichever one they want it to be. Actually, that's that's brilliant, Marshall, because that's actually kind of what happened. I always wanted capital A array, capital C cast, no space. That's what I was always going for. Mm -hmm. But a number of people said, no, no, it's got to be the array cast. And as soon as you go the space array cast you're, you're putting spaces in so when i registered it officially i had the array cast because there was we should do it that way and then as time went on i started to condense it to capital a array capital c cast because <laughs> i'm doing most of the most of the publishing work on it and referring to it and nobody pushed back so we it's evolution is what it is i guess no it can be the web, the website currently says the space array space cast. Yes, it does. The array cast without a space. But then as it becomes more known, it's just the array cast or just, hey, I heard on array cast. Have you heard the latest array cast? So that's the thing is that colloquially, at least amongst the people that I speak to about CPP cast, no one ever says the CPP cast. They say CPP cast. But it seems like, seems like it's pick your poison. You get to do whatever you want with our podcast. And officially, we don't have... An official name. <laughs> or we do? Well, actually, I was going to say, I don't think anybody was referring it to or referring to it as the ArrayCast, or at least not many people were, until you brought it up on this episode. Oh, no. <laughs> maybe oh, they'll no. do, like, go that route again. Officially. 
Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Officially, it is the Arraycast. That's not how I refer to it. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, a lot of ambiguity there. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll let the listeners decide. Um, anyways, APLcast, a new podcast coming to podcast players near you soon now that it has a name, uh, hopefully. As I used to say when I was a kid, call me anything you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, we'll go over to Marshall for uh, his announcement. My announcement is that uh, this is something that um, I think both me and Adam has, have noticed over time. Thinking about the uh, the tool that um, for BQN is called Bacon Crate, but it's based on an older tool that Adam made for uh, older and better tool, really, <laughs> that Adam made for APL called Apple Cart, um, which both of these list a large number of uh, code snippets that you can look up. Uh, and then the idea is that that you ask it, you know, I want to uh, solve this quadratic uh, equation. And you, so you type in quadratic equation or whatever, and you'll see a snippet that tells you how to do that. Um, but what I found is uh, the way that Apple Cart was originally designed to have, um, the idea is it'll put put the arguments all, it'll, it'll make it so that it's one function called on the arguments. Um, so particularly if you have like a train or something, this can make it uh, more complicated where you have this, this complicated thing in parentheses that's difficult to, to read and the arguments on the outside. The idea is that you can then copy paste that function. But uh, I think what a lot of people want from these tools is not really to, to have just code they can copy paste. To me, that's what a library is for. And I'm hoping that BQN supports libraries pretty well. Um, but instead you would like to, to know how to compute the thing. And a lot of times it's easier to express it by putting the variables on the inside, making it into an expression, sometimes repeating variables. So that's what I've done. I've gone through all 1000 something expressions on bacon crate and, uh, and changed the ones that I think, uh, should be changed. Some of the longer ones I got a little lazy, but, um, generally bacon crate now focuses more on expressions. So it's easier to read. Um, and that's my announcement. If you've been having trouble with all the tacit code on BQN, try it again. Uh, if you still think it's too tacit, uh, ask me about it. And uh, maybe uh, maybe it's an expression that I got lazy about and I can actually change it. I've actually also started adding rather than changing things to Apple Cart, uh, where I add alternatives. Um, so some people have complained that the, the tacit code I have there is too tacit it's too hard for them to read um and so i've started adding also explicit alternatives so certain things you can actually add the search term tacit or explicit and it will show you only that version of it but there's a long way to go oh, yeah. because apple card has like over 3600 entries so. <laughs> it's actually interesting that this topic uh is coming up right now because just earlier this morning i was Speaking of LeetCode, which we're going to be talking about later, solving a LeetCode problem from the most recent um, contest on Saturday. And one of the pieces it, of it was creating an inclusive range between values X and Y, which we've actually talked about, I think, now twice on this episode or on this podcast. Um, we'll link once again to Stephen's article that shows a really nice use of um, some of the Q stuff. But I was surprised because I've written this function a couple times but whenever I go back to writing it, um, and I know it's in the Finn APL idioms as well, uh, 
I'm always surprised how complicated it is for at least the inclusive one as well. And I went to both. I think actually I couldn't find it on Apple Cart, but I was looking for it on BQN and it was under the search term contiguous. Or is it? No, consecutive. Consecutive values between X0 and Y0 inclusive. And it has a very complicated uh, point-free expression um, or tacit expression. And I just was like kind of scratching my head, reading it, being like, okay, this is right. Anyways, and then I ended up, I was trying to do this in J because the ultimate problem um, involved prime numbers, which is like anytime there's prime numbers, it's like, well, J has those built in. I'm going to forget about my favorite languages, BQN and APL. And then J makes it so easy. And technically you can go to APL. And I think in the defunds library, they have the same thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if BQN has a library for that as well. But anyways, I digress. Writing it not tacit and just using a defund is like so much simpler, um, which is the long-winded point or the point of my long-winded uh, tale here is that uh, it's probably great that you guys are both adding this because um, it is pretty intimidating, I think, going and seeing that that's the expression for like a sequence of contiguous values between X and Y inclusive because a lot of languages like Haskell and Rust, they just have like a double dot operator or like a three character operator for creating that range. And it's kind of interesting when you think that it's like, it would be that difficult to do it in a language like APL or PQN or J. And the point is it's not, I think, if you do it, just not point free or tacit. Not people, not sure if people have folks or even followed what I was saying for most of the time, but. Yeah. Well, so there are two entries. There's one, um, there's one where it assumes that the, that the first character is less than or equal to the second one. Um, and then there's one that doesn't in either order, which is uh, quite a bit more complicated. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, uh, so this is a, the one that's, that's ordered is a six character function here. Which, which, what do I search for that? Uh, I just looked for consecutive, uh, consecutive values would work. Oh yeah. That one's way simpler. I didn't find that one. Yeah. So in interesting that like, I can't, I didn't actually look for the word consecutive. I was looking for range and I think for some reason. Yeah. Which this is one of the cases actually, that's pretty borderline on this. I chose to keep it tacit. Um, so you have a train that's a uh, left tack plus range composed with span swapped. Um, but if you do it, uh, if you do it as an expression, it has to write the left argument twice, but it's only three functions. It's it's like x plus range of y span x. So um, in this case, I felt like this was something that you would probably use outside. Like you you would use this as a function in a larger context. So I felt like it made sense to keep it tacit, but uh, maybe it should be an expression instead. Well. Because it is quite, it's three characters shorter if you write it as an expression. Yeah, I take back mostly what I said, though, because I was looking for the shorter expression of these two, uh, but did not see it. Yeah. So it's actually not that bad. The one that I was looking at is a little bit more complicated for sure. Sorry, Adam? Um, I, in this context, I would like to, um, what do you call that? Promote uh, a, a, a service called tacit.help that's a whole url oh maybe i should announce this too we have one for bqn now 
no I'm, way. I'm <laughs> I don't even know what uh, this this is news to me. Uh, it does not have its own uh, website, but I put it up on the BQN community page so you can find it from there and we'll put it into the show notes. Uh, okay, so tested.help is for API only. And uh, what it does is it takes um, a tested expression um, and it translates it to a defin. Does it have uh, support for typing or no? No, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't assume anything. It just converts to a monadic and dyadic separately, and then it is what it is. Oh, I'm trying to type BQN into API, and it's just saying invalid token. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm at the wrong one. So the BQN version of this is saltysylvie.github.io slash BQN tacit helper, which is exactly as memorable. What? What? Okay, I'm just <laughs> going to go find some APL code. Should I stick it in the chat so that Connor can... I'm on a different computer. I'm recording on one computer and on a... Well, uh... Can't you open it on this computer? That's actually true. Then you can have a tacit helper open in either computer. You can, have, you can just be very tacitly helped. Every computer needs a tacit helper. Um, wow, why did this get created? I assume this is pretty recent, otherwise. This was, uh, well, three days, four days? Uh... Ago? Five days ago. Which, when did the APL one happen? That's been around for a while. Wow. It's a few months, I think. Jay's had one for a year or two, a couple of years anyway. Jay's got one too? What's yours one called? I'll have to go look at it. It's it's an add-on. Um, it's, so it's a file. Oh, but it's not online. It's not oh, online. It's, yeah, it's no, inside yeah, Jay. It's gotcha. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I do know that. What am I talking about? Yeah, that's like my favorite forum function. Um, it's like 13 colon something. No, that's the other way, right? That's testify and explicit. Yeah. Right? We can go both at, ways. At definition time. Oh, yeah. Which is even better if you're a beginner and can never figure out what you need to do. Um, yeah. Although I think it only works for a percentage of things. It usually works for monadic tacit expressions, but I've, I've had troubles with uh, dyadic tacit expressions. I mean, we can say right up front, not every tacit thing can, can be converted to an equivalent explicit form and not every explicit thing can be converted to tested form that's just how it is no i think every tested thing should be should be writable as explicit um it's definitely not true for apl what would be are you thinking about like scoping issues or what yeah um scoping and capsule issues and things like that so now we're getting really technical yeah okay but if you write if you write the computations that you need to do ahead of time outside of your function then you can write everything's explicit yeah um, like, I think we should put a pin in this because we're going to turn this whole episode into a tacit versus explicit. We've got these, we've got these great websites. The takeaway, because we're still in the announcement zone or land. Uh, the takeaway is there's been some improvements to BQN uh, Crate. I was about to say BQN Cart, and that's not what it's called. BQN Crate and Apple Cart. There's these two websites. Also, there's one, not a website for Jay, but inside Jay. So lots of tacit. Uh, and you know, tacit tools and, and Jay, Jay does have its phrases, right? Yes. We bought the phrases, which you've had forever, but they're not searchable. And if we did do that, and there has been talk of that, we would call it jalopy. <laughs> Wait, explain that. I don't even know what that is. Jalopy is a, 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 a old beater car. <laughs> so it's in the, it's, it starts with a J and it's in the vein of, uh, carts and well, not crates so much, but I guess an old car is a crate too. So, yeah. Well, feel free to fork the um, Apple Card, or of course, we can create uh, code. 
it doesn't actually care about the language much. It's just an interface. Yeah, they've diverged a fair amount. So <laughs> check both. I don't know which one you want. Well, right now I'm involved with the wiki. So it's just sort of a side. Yeah. Somebody mentioned it and we'll, we'll see if we ever get to it. We have phrases. That's what we do. Alrighty. We will wrap up those announcements that seems like might have gone 20 minutes. So hopefully the <laughs> listeners are still here or the listener. Um, at this point, we will transition to today's topic, which is going to be an amalgamation of things. So in general, I believe the topic is going to be sort of uh, the topic of recreational programming versus, you know, production programming, we'll call it. And, you know, this we talked about in the past, sort of talking about sort of advent of code, and we're going to you know, snowball leak code into that and code golfing. There's several code golfing websites. Um, but I think we're, before we start talking about that, we got a sort of tangential email from a listener by the name of Alex. It's quite a long email. So I'm going to sort of skip to the part where Alex is asking a question. Hopefully I'm going to get through this in a minute or two. And then we're going to sort of start a discussion about the questions that he asks within this email. So it starts off, my question boils down to which language, aka array programming language, should I start studying? The ArrayCast doesn't seem too picky and encourages all the different approaches to Array or Iversonian install languages, seeing as you have guests in to talk about Q and J and of course APL, etc. As someone who is not a comparative uh, scholar of languages, it's hard for me to make a decision about which language to devote a bit of time to study. A tiny bit of background on myself, uh, I've worked I've had around 17 years where I worked as a historian with a lot of different field work under my belt. I did a lot of writing uh, several books and a PhD before I decided to add uh, some more technical skills to my quiver and some new mental models to boot. I'm now one year into a new career and uh, life as a machine learning engineer. And so they do a lot of stuff with Python. We're sort of going to skip the rest, but so they're going towards working in machine learning. So one of my primary interests is in picking up J or APL or whatever is to find a tool that I can grow alongside as I deepen my understanding of mathematics and that I can use and that will accompany me going forward. Key criteria for my choice include the following four things. One, my choice language should have a good community support, uh, especially since there aren't voluminous books and online material to offer guidance and support. Two, my choice language should be production ready. Uh, three, my choice language should be mathematics friendly and for my choice language should have good up-to-date introductory materials that offer lots of opportunity for practical use and practice. Out of all this, I seem to have settled on Dialog APL, even though my instinct and gut seems to have a preference for J. Dialog APL uh, just seems to be going through somewhat of a community of a community and materials renaissance at the moment. And for a beginner, it seems like there would be a lot of support available. Also, too many people seem to dismiss Jay as being an alternative take, which I read them as saying that it's a bit of a dead end, which makes me slightly worried. Uh, my current plan is to work my way through Dr. Raymond Polivka's new APL book and see where I'm at the end of that. Please let me know if you have a better recommendation for something that's practically focused, that takes you from zero to competent, and that's up to date and perhaps also mathematically focused, bearing in mind that I'm basically a tadpole when it comes to mathematics currently. End of the portion of this letter, there was a little bit more at the end as well, uh, thanking us and saying happy Ray programming. At that this point, I will hand it over to the listeners. <laughs> what should we recommend? <laughs> or I, I said listeners. <laughs> hand it over. Okay, <laughs> we're going to throw we're going to throw the question right back to the listeners. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> we're going to hand it over to the panelists. And uh, what should we tell Alex here? We've got Stephen holding up a book. Fun cue. Uh, we just talked to Nick about, and we've got Bob raising his hand, 
Um, who wants to go first? I'll, I'll go first. The, the the first thing on the really good side, um, Alex talks about the fact that we don't seem to you know favor one language over the other. Um, I I'm I'm glad he came back with that because I agree with that. We, we the idea is not to pit one array language against another array language. They have their purposes. Some are better for some things. It's almost a personal style. Some people prefer one over the other. There's nothing wrong with that. We just want to promote. Array languages, uh, not just uh, we're not the J cast, we're the array cast. So um, that's that's like that being said, go with J. No? <laughs> well, and then the other side of it, this is the other side of it. Um, he says he feels J is a bit of a dead end. I, I really don't see that. Um, we're there's a, there's a lot of things developing in J, threads are being added in the next version. There's an expanded, uh, extended long integer speed up that's going to be quite phenomenal if you're in interested in you know certain forms of mathematics there'll be things you can do there that are much quicker than they used to be it's not a dead end it's developing and it continues to develop um but having said that the criteria gave one was community i think all the communities are really good um i would recommend and i think i actually did recommend to him that he look at the apl farm um and just that as a as a discussion it's a discord slash matrix oh Siri doesn't understand. <laughs> I'll have to do something about that, Siri. Um, anyway, the APL forum is, is a Discord slash matrix um, uh, forum where all the languages are represented. There's lots of discussion. And, I mean, I'm not a beginner, but I, from what I see, it's very supportive. Um, there's a lot of support going on. And I find that across the array languages that there is a lot of support. Um, so I guess that's just my... My two takes on that: uh, J isn't a dead end, and uh, and support. I don't think that's a problem with the array languages. And I'll let somebody else take the rest of it. Take a run from there. Should we go back to Stephen? Stephen, you you held up the the fun Q book. That's where you think uh, Alex might be interested in starting. Well, it's a it's it's pretty hard to miss, isn't it? Um, we we reviewed it recently. It's um, uh, it's a it's a recent book. It tells you how to do machine learning stuff using Q. Q's got machine learning add-ons and toolkits in it, and um, uh, some fairly tight integration with uh, with Python that's uh, pretty useful for for ML. So, um, like Bob, I'm not minded to promote one language over another, but um, Q's got a pretty strong offering there. All right, we're going either to Adam or Marshall, and I feel like too we should because, uh, like, what's the the question? I think, or a, a side question to the one of what's the uh, language to start with is: is there one thing that like delineates each of these languages from each other? So, if we're talking about Q versus J versus Dialog APL versus BQN. Is there one thing, like there might not be, but like when I look at this list of four things, community support, production ready, um, mathematics friendly, and should have good up-to-date introductory materials. I mean, I think we can sort of scratch off number three, not in that it's not important, but like all four of these array languages and just sort of Iversonian array languages in general are all going to be um, mathematics friendly. Uh, I'm no, not, I, I, I disagree. J by far wins on that point, right? It has way more specialized mathematical primitives in the core language. Okay, so this is this is perfect then. So 
like along with going is like maybe that's what sets up J apart from the other languages is like that's not something i would have known off the top of my head other than the fact i'm not sure if you're referring to primes and stuff but maybe there's a whole other set of outside of prime functions they also have yeah i mean so that's the thing math is not just like one one field that you can choose to support i'm not convinced like while j has a has a lot more invested in doing mathematical stuff I'm not convinced that this necessarily translates to being great at mathematical programming of any kind. Like, so if you're into number theory, J definitely is better because it has these uh, extended precision numbers and a lot of uh, things you can do with them. Um, for a lot of other things, I mean, linear algebra, pretty much everything, but well, J and APL at least are both uh, are both um, pretty focused on linear algebra. Um, other stuff, uh, kind of hard to say. Like if you if you're interested in uh, like numerical optimization, I don't think Jay has anything extra to offer in that area. Um, I mean, there it's not like built-in functionality isn't what you want. Uh, you just want to to write the thing, and it's, it's uh, much more of an ordinary programming task, even though it would be considered part of applied mathematics. So an example of something. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's things like in in statistics, um, probability things. Uh, I saw this list of uh, how to write certain APL primit uh, APL primitives in in the equivalent uh, BQN. And so for factorial, you'd say, well, it's a it's a product of the range. Yeah, and we do have for the gamma function, we do have uh, system math dot fact now. Right, so there, so there, so there, you have some kind of extra utility, whereas another language might have it built in. Um, and in Q, I don't even know how you would do that, or if there's a library for that. Um, another one, actually, that would be interesting to mention here, because now we only said these languages that the four of us represent, but there are other array languages out there, um, and other APLs out there than that, like APL. Uh, NARS 2000, uh, it has some limitations and it's not very focused on performance. But yeah, I think you're going to run into trouble with the performance there. Yeah. If you want to do machine learning type stuff. Yes. But now we're discussing a little bit more generally math abilities. And for that, it, it probably matches or even exceeds J in built in vocabulary on mathy stuff, including primes and number theory and a whole lot of combinatorial stuff that it has built in and also the extended precision and rationals and so on and so on octonians and um so uh, there are other possibilities as well if we move away from the math for a second uh, one of the distinguishing things is that dialogue in the case of dialogue is proprietary so it's not open sourced which does make a difference to some people um both ways actually some people are much more comfortable with something that's proprietary that they know they can rely on and is, you know versions aren't going to swap up too much. And uh, other people want to go open source because they don't want a proprietary program that they're running from. So that is a distinguishing uh, aspect between uh, Dialog APL, um, BQN and J, I think. Well, I think BQN is open source, is it not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, CBQN is GPL v3. But Q is closed source. And Q is closed source, yeah. Yeah, one of the distinguishing features about Q is that there's work for Q programmers. I mean, lots of it. 
<laughs> I was surprised it wasn't on his list of criteria. Well, if this is recreational, then maybe that doesn't matter so much. But they do want the community support, right? And they they want an active community, which it doesn't necessarily translate one to one with there's work available. Just because some companies use something for profit does not mean that there is a strong helping community for it where you can just go and ask questions and get answers. Yeah. One of it, one of his criteria says my language should be production ready. That is, people use this to solve real problems out in the world industry. So I'm kind of reading that as I want to I, I want to be able to use this in the future in in places where people write code. I'm not sure that it means everybody will be using this as much as you know it is not a hobbyist implementation of something and um so there as i mentioned nars 2000 is kind of a hobby it's a long-running hobby project um but nobody as far as i know uses nars 2000 for anything industrial or production anything it's only for playing around with apl same thing goes for lots of other uh, apl implementations i'm sure nobody uses um but some new uh, April is used for a real product, physical product that's being sold. Um, the, then an interesting one for that one is what's the state of BQN? Um, Does anybody use, you wouldn't even know, right? If yeah, exactly. Uh, nobody that I know of is uh, is using it like as a product or anything. I've heard uh, some people say they've used it uh, for their work. Uh, I assume that means uh, like to to compute some quick things that are relevant to their work or something like that. Yeah, I think BQN is probably behind on on stuff like uh, the library sort of stuff. Um, you know, interfacing with different data formats and things like that that you would want. So uh, that would be why I would not recommend it here. Interesting thinking about yeah what it is. Because, you know, we all have our biases of what our personal favorite languages are, of course. Um, but when someone lists out this criteria, I find it hard actually to, because like my criteria, a lot of the times when I'm ranking my languages is like, which language has the best combinator support and BQN wins pretty handily there. Um, but it also comes down to like, we were, I think I mentioned this earlier in the episode, and this can sort of segue us into talking more about sort of production code versus recreational coding and leak code and advent of code is that when I solve advent of code or leak code problems, more specifically leak code, it's like if there's ever a thing within that problem that I need that only exists in one of the languages, I just immediately go and switch to that language. So for instance, I mentioned primes, I think earlier, whenever there's primes involved, I'm probably just going to go to J. Like technically I can go to APL and go and open up the defunds library and there's a PCO dot and it has basically the replicated function functionality that uh, J has, but like J has it just with like P colon and you put a left, a number on the left and. Yeah, but then you have to look up the number. I have those memories. I mean, honestly, you don't really because like, <laughs> what? I just like, uh, I just like type through them, you know, <laughs> the first one I know is like, just gives you the first n primes. The second one is a bit mask given a, you know, iota sequence. And uh, after that, it's just, you just type them and then you see, <laughs> and then you'll get a domain error if you don't know. Um, I mean, you could go read the docs, but, uh, and usually it's one of the first two. Anyways, the point being is like primes, I go to J. If I need to sort something in my problem, I go to BQN. I know, Adam, you've got your three character or four character reduced version of the five character, but 
Bikiman has it in one character, and that just like especially if you need to put that sort in a tacit expression, you know, that after or before or something, it's just very nice that I don't have to parenthesize um the the train of stuff. And so, and uh what's an example of APL? Like uh they have uh without, which doesn't exist in BQN. I think it does exist in uh J, but um they also have um decode and encode, which I don't think um uh, BQN has. And these don't make any of the languages like better than it's not like oh BQN has a sort primitive, it's therefore obviously better than the other array languages. It's just that like Usually when I'm solving these Lico problems, I'm trying to get the shortest, quickest thing. And if I know that, you know, this language has something that might take five or six characters in another language, that's the language I'm going to go. And I have all three of them on my computer. And even if you don't, you can very quickly go and, you know, go to the try APL or uh, BQM pad. Um, anyway, so I'm not sure if, if folks have, because like that's when I read this list in my head, I'm just like, oh, well, they've got these primitive differences. But um, Alex clearly is not, that's not what he's concerned with here. He's concerned with sort of documentation, ability to learn the language, community support, which it's a lot harder to judge. You know, like, like Bob said, a lot of these languages I think have, if you find the right place to go, good community support and good docs. Um, Steven, you were going to say something. I really, I'm really fascinated by what you're just saying. Uh, that you'll switch languages to save characters. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially for if it's a leak code <laughs> thing, which is like in, in a, array languages, it's typically going to be a one-liner thing. Um, and especially, like I've had this conversation with colleagues, is that like the verbosity of spelling something like affects the way you might solve a problem. Like the way I might solve something in BQN versus APL might be different due to the fact that like, BQN doesn't have without, which you can spell with, I think, three or four. Yeah. And this is because I think um, solving problems with with without instead of with membership and uh, filtering is actually not a good pattern. Um, so that's very intentional. That, and and like I said, it's not to say one is worse, but like, and that, and so maybe that even speaks to why, like, so I'll reach for something that Marshall thinks is like a bad pattern in APL, but I'll use it because it's convenient. It's one character with your numbers on either side of them. Um, whereas in BQN, I'll have to spell with more characters, but maybe that forces me to actually a better pattern, more performant code for some reason. Um, but the point being is that like, I, I definitely think that like how the, the tax to spell something in a language, if you have multiple options and like perf is not like a huge, it's going to be running in a fraction of a second. So I don't really need to worry about this going super fast. Like the tax of the number of characters of some function um, does like affect the way that I'm going to solve a problem if all I care about is how quickly I can solve this and like how how short the expression is at the end of the day. Well, Connor, maybe you should look into learning Jelly. No, I saw. I mean, <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes. But well, uh, it's unreadable. Is that what you're telling me? It uses Unicode characters. Uh, it's Ooh. not as pretty. It's not as pretty. Um, That's kind of the the, the point that uh, that hooked my interest. It seems to me that it's aesthetics driving you on this oh yeah yeah i mean like here's a an anecdotal thing is like i actually plan to do um advent of code in rust this year um because i'm learning rust it's a very nice language it's quickly climbing through the ranks of my favorite languages and i got to the first problem and it was summing up uh like nested list of numbers and taking the maximum of those sums and i was like i can't I'm not going to, I can't do it. Like I, I'm, I'm going to APL. Like I'm not going to solve this in a language. Cause I know how to spell that in every language. It's your mapping uh, sum 
over that and then doing a maximum. But like it's for five characters in APL or choose your language, like five or six is like I, it, I can't like it's, you know, if I'm working in a code base at C++ or Rust, sure, I'll go write it. But if I'm just doing this for fun and the whole goal of Avenue of Code is to do it quickly and, you know, just hack out a solution, it's like how can you beat max reduce plus reduce each which is a single Unicode character, like it's five characters. And it's like anyone that is, is even starting out to learn these languages is going to see that immediately. And it's going to maybe not hurt their soul, but it hurts my soul to have to go like maximum, maximum dot map sum. Um, anyways, that's, that's, <laughs> I meant to do it in a different language. And then I was like, I can't, I, I'll just, I'll just do it in APL or, or BQN or switch through the array languages as I go through it. I'm beginning to see your, um, bias against Jay because we'd start with digraphs and so we've immediately got extra characters no matter what we do <laughs> we can't win <laughs> you start with a penalty yeah. well now there are plenty of one character primitives you just have to choose which ones are going to be one characters yeah. i will i will say the less than dot and, and uh greater than dot for max and min it does it, it does it does hurt my soul a little bit because there are very simple expressions like if you want to do a, a min max fork that's three characters Characters and BQN and an APL and it's five in uh, in J because you got those dots there and uh, I mean potentially the listener is hearing this and being like is this guy crazy I'm being serious like it's it's an additional sixty seven percent of like your solution grew by almost twice the amount um, and hey, Connor do you know why the prime function in the defense workspace is called PCO uh, I know Roger who wrote it and I think I read the doc at the top but I don't know that it mentioned why it was called PCO. I don't think it mentions it. If you look in in the J documentation for the prime function, which is P colon, then it's abbreviated in the URL as PCO. <laughs> P colon PCO. I did not know that. I did not know that. So yeah, we should we should continue. I mean, I've been talking about having a code and and my clear uh, you know absolute desire to have things as short as possible. Like, is this a is this a bad thing? You know, recreational coding because I think. There's a ton of folks that sort of use array languages for this. Um, you know, does it does it give array languages a, you know, Marshall, you go ahead. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think in combination with the fact that code golf challenges have, have some very idiosyncratic things they focus on, it really um, skews your perception. Because like one thing that's very common in code golf is like splitting numbers into their digits. Um, when, like, when, if you're writing a, some real application, do you ever need to split a number into two digits? You don't, you need to format it for output to the user, but, um, it's very unusual to care about the base 10 digits of a number. Um, it's something that people write because it makes fun code golf challenges, because you can see, um, say like there's this, you know, this number is the same when it's digits are reversed. That's a, that's a cool property of a number that you see when you look at it, but it's not really an important aspect of the, the number mathematically speaking. Um, so like, yeah, this is one reason why a lot of people say, oh, well, BQN should have, you know, base, uh, base conversion functions. Um, and I don't think that's really right. Uh, what we have, what we just added actually is a parse float function, which, I mean, that should work pretty well. And we have a format function that formats it the same way that the BQN session would format it. Um, and we might add other number printing stuff, but I think that's what you want, practically speaking. 
but APL gets a leg up in all these uh, code go problems that are about reversing digits and stuff uh, by having base encoding and decoding functions. I mean, and you can even do it the shorter way, which I, for the longest time, would always do the decode or encode one, but you can do the eval each format. Oh yeah, that's just awful. <laughs> which is like super, so like basically you turn, it's the, to read it in English, you turn your number into a string and then call the eval function that does the opposite of that. It turns your strings into numbers, yeah. but just do it on each of the characters in your string, which I think perf-wise is like terrible, but it does save you like three or four characters. So <laughs> Yeah, well, and in BQN, you don't have to eval. You can you can at least subtract zero, but uh, but then that takes more characters. You yes, have to, I've seen that in the BQN uh, examples. You have uh, to write two single quotes to write the character zero. So, Adam, you were going to say something? For for the listener, uh, Stephen just made it like exemplary facepalm when you what you're doing. <laughs> it's like that's how you do a facepalm. Uh, yeah, I mean you can also in, if you're in quad IO zero, oh, yeah. you can also index into quad D, which is a vector of uh, the digits. It's about as short. That's another thing that I love about uh, APL. Speaking of when I reach for each language, is if I need to do. Um, the alphabet, like if I need the characters, you've got quad A for that, and you've also got quad C for uppercase, lowercase, and the equivalents. I'm not sure about J actually, but I know that like uh, BQN currently doesn't have, like you have to do a iota 26 plus the character A, which is still actually quite nice. Which um, is, I mean, the point is that that's, uh, that's much more understandable, and you can do that for the Russian alphabet too, or whatever, um, hmm. whatever other al alphabet. So... I'm not ever solving leak code in Russian though, so it's all good. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is it, Russian leak code is really hard. I bet <laughs> it is an interesting point though that your, I think your comment, Marshall, was less that like there's a problem with trying to solve things you know succinctly or tersely in an array language, but more that a lot of the code golfing problems or leak code problems that sort of um, come out of these contests aren't representative of the stuff that you're doing on a day to day basis when you're um writing and, and maybe that is there a comment on advent of code because that's one of the things that irritates me the most and i never make it past problem 10 is it's mostly parsing uh at least when at least that's my well, that's experience less over time um you mean towards the problems at the yeah, end of as day a, 25 as a total fraction of the work you're doing the parsing gets pretty small near the right end. right right because the problems are more involved um but yeah it, do other folks have thoughts on like if if that and that's less a criticism, I guess, of solving these kinds of challenges in array languages and more just the challenges themselves that they do things that are unrealistic. We'll go to Adam and then to Bob. I don't think you are wrong in going for the right tool for the job. And I'd like to bring something up. You mentioned now quad, uh, I mentioned quad D, you said quad A for the alphabet. Why are these in there? Definitely not because dialect APL is trying to be a code golf language. Nobody has that kind of thing in mind. In fact, Roger Hugh would, and other people also would protest whenever they would see some suggested feature enhancement saying that's just for code golf. No way. Um, but trying to make a language that makes it convenient to do certain things. Um, I think Dialog actually has less focused on that than certain other APL vendors. So micro APL with their APL X and uh, APL 2000 with their APL plus, um, they will have these system variables that contain things that you might often need in a business application. So you think that quad D and quad A is a lot. 
APLX has also quad lowercase a. What? Which is unusual. Yeah. Um, Since when? Uh, I mean, APLX is, is is obsolete. It doesn't get maintained anymore. Right? Oh, wait, wait, wait. This this isn't dialogue APL. This is APLX. Dialogue Sorry, APL. I missed no, that no. part. I, I got very excited yeah. because that's 50% of the characters of quad C, quad A. Uh. <laughs> yeah, the problem is that, that system fun- system names are case insensitive. So it's, a, it's an exception to have the difference there in uppercase, lowercase. But it even has things like um, quad B for backspace, quad W for weekday names, and quad M for month names. Now you can actually get those in Dialog APL fairly easily, but not as easy as that. Um, so why did they do this? It's because you have some business person who's not really a programmer, but is able to, because of these array languages and their ease of expressing certain things, um, they can write their own application. And they shouldn't be bothered with trying to construct in some fancy way these constants. They need them all the time, right? They need the weekday names and they need the names of the... Well, I mean, my contention would be you need the weekday names once per program and you assign them to a a variable somewhere in in whatever program organization you have. Sure. And true. But it sure is convenient to just say quad W, that's the weekday names. Done, right? Yeah, well, and more so in code golf, where you're, where once per program could mean half of the program. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. and that is before we get to Bob. What, what he was going to mention is, I just remember when you were talking about dates. Is that this actually dates back before I even discovered array languages? Is that whenever LeetCode would have a problem that had something to do with dates, um, like oh, you know, figure out given a month and a year, blah blah blah, which day of the week is it? That's not, you know incredibly difficult but it's tedious you know dealing with leap years and blah 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 and so i would always solve most of those problems back at that time in c plus plus but i would switch to java for that because they had in their standard library like a date module that you could just literally go pass in the info and then print out you know dot day or name of and and you're done and it's like a one-liner and it's like i don't i didn't know java like i know enough java because it's similar to c plus plus in many ways different i probably upset a bunch of listeners but you know, the syntax is roughly in the same ballpark. And uh, yeah, like, once again, I would switch from my main language to an entirely one that I don't even know that well and just Google dates in Java, and then it becomes a one-liner. So it, it definitely, I think there is something to be said for adding convenience. Sorry, we'll, we'll go to Adam and then back to... Back. Oh, now, now I have to promote Dialog APL because we added uh, quad DT and they can convert between any uh, date time format known to mankind. Uh, so we just need just need dialog APL on leak code, and then I can actually. Uh... Yeah, can but no, I think I, I just throw, now I have the word anyway. Uh, th- throw in one more thing, something that might seem trivial, like the alphabet. Um, it I think it, even that kind of thing could have the value, and of course, doing it in the BKN way is fine as well. But what people often resort to if you don't have that is typing out the alphabet, which on a QWERTY or any other non-alphabet order keyboard is kind of awkward to do. And that risks issues. So I just went on GitHub code search right now. I, I went into APL, typed quad A, copied the alphabet, went into GitHub code search, pasted it in, removed W and searched for it and found four and a half thousand files on GitHub that includes the alphabet without W. Damn. Now, some of that might be intentional because some languages don't use W, whatever, but I'm thinking there are some problems there. There might be some bugs. 
why why would you want core utils without w in the a, str a strong case for every array language to get quad a you heard it here all right bob we, uh, we you've been waiting in the wings well and and just to bring it back around to j j has a dot which is i think similar to bq and it's got a full list of all the characters and then you just index into them for what you need your characters only go to 256 Yes, A dot is different. That's the that's the extended <laughs> ASCII character set in J, which fittingly for J, which only uses ASCII. Right? right. So that wasn't my point, though. <laughs> my point was back to to Cold Golf. Is I think they're the the negative part of Cold Golf for the array languages is they get perceived as only being good for Cold Golf, which obviously isn't true. But the other thing I think that's even sort of more nasty is if you write a lot of code golf, you're not writing actually necessarily very good array language. You're 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 bending it to fit code golf. You're 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 uh, it, it usually isn't performant. Sometimes it is. I mean, it's a it's a bit of a, a toss up whether it'll be performant or not. But it's usually not in a in a um, use, doesn't usually use idioms that would be. Uh, really useful if you were trying to actually use the language productively. So it actually sort of warps you into this array language mode where, yeah, you're doing, you know, it's almost like doing circus tricks. Great. You know, that's wonderful. <laughs> but I'm not sure there's much call of it when we need to move something off the loading dock sort of thing. So one thing that I sometimes see in BQN, which I'm, I think I've noticed it happening a fair amount, and I'm happy when I see it, is when um, the shortest solution in APL is some awful thing that includes like execute and random stuff. But then the shortest one in BQN is actually nice code. Yeah, nice meaning performant here. We should define what the word nice means when you use it. But three times as long. Well, nice being covers edge cases, performs better, um, uses array, uh, a more array style. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying it always happens. And takes three times as many characters. No, no, usually, usually like 50% more or something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if BQN can lose at code golf by writing better <laughs> code, that's that's a like that's a win at life, right? It's much uh, better actually. So depends what you're living for, Marshall. <laughs> I live for the character count. <laughs> Stephen, no, huh? you scared Stephen off. <laughs> I mean, Q is so much more verbose than any other array language that uses symbols, at least. That um, Code Golf isn't any, everything, though. Sometimes you want to be quick to solution, right? and it, it might be fast to type. So like the shortest solution in an array language you will have in using Jelly. We haven't touched upon Jelly. We should maybe have somebody come in and speak about it. Um, jelly maybe is I an, should give Jelly a shot. You know, I haven't I haven't been given. A, yeah, Jelly is an amazing language, and and me as an APLer, sometimes when I I've occasionally written very little in Jelly, but you never need more to actually do anything. But sometimes I see something explained, I can read a little bit of it, and then I get envious because like, why do I have to program in this programming language where everything is so tedious and I need to like spell out everything when it's right on your fingertips and jelly, except it's not at your fingertips. Because while technically speaking, you can type jelly using the US international keyboard, um, it requires you to put dots over and under letters. And Does it still have like um, the, um, yeah, it does. It has this like unpronounceable 
expression for hello world but like oh that's different yeah yeah the dictionary compression you don't have to do that you can just type the string yeah like that so that's the thing is like but that is on that's the first piece of code though on the readme it's like that is you, you got to change that because as soon as i read that i'm like <laughs> what but like that isn't actually jelly code that's like a hack of <laughs> converting it to something that then is still executable but um that's not actually like the way people are going to write jelly code if they yeah, if they is. write it is it's it's intended for code golf <laughs> and that's less characters <laughs> yes if it's for code golf yes but i i certainly know of people who are well versed in jelly through code golf who then use it for their daily needs as well they need something computed then why type more code when you can type less and then obviously they wouldn't type they wouldn't bother compressing all their strings. There's no point. Right? But if you just want to get something done really quickly, then yeah, Jelly probably has a built-in for it. And if not, you can write tacit code to solve it because Jelly only does tacit code. All right. This is a pledge to listeners. I will go and learn Jelly to the extent that I've uh, you know learned uh, the other array languages and uh, I'll report back. Um, There's some program called Jelly Hyper Training that we can link to. So BQN tries to force you in the quote-unquote better direction. Um, APL has a different definition of better, and they do the same thing. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think anybody tries to do that. It bothers me sometimes that it's shorter to write in APL function each split. Um, so split takes them say a matrix and put mix it into a vector of vectors, um, and it's shorter to write that than to write function rank one and then fighting with uh, the stranding. Um, uh, precedence, yeah. So I don't think APL tries to make you write better code by making certain constructs awkward in any way, and it's perfectly possible to write bad code in APL. And I'm pretty sure you can write bad code in any of these array languages. Well, in the framing here, I like I've never intentionally made something awkward in BQN. Um, what I do is, for example, like for matrix division, I have no matrix division primitive. Um, if you think I should have a matrix division primitive, the reason you think that is because APL has one. It's not because you, you know, considered all the things that you might want to do with uh, with arrays and said, oh, matrix division is a vitally important um, aspect. It, every program should use matrix division because like <laughs> there are probably, you know, 10 programs in the entire world that use matrix division. All right, not that few, but. Um, so, I mean, what I do is I don't provide things that are convenient, but that don't, um, but that don't actually fit into array programming. So some features that I think that that indicate to me that a function is really a convenient function are when um, first if it uh, if it makes a lot of decisions for the user, so like matrix division decides inherently you know what precision it's going to have versus what performance properties it's going to have. As the user, in a lot of cases, you would like to be in control, but for convenience, having it make the choice for you is nice. I think that's not the way primitive should work. Um, also, if um, I think primitive should be things that you actually use often, like many times in a program. And so something like APL partitioning is not actually used, like a program that uses partitioning a lot of times 
would use it like four or five times um, to to maybe parse its input or something um, versus a program that uses like reverse a lot of times could have it, you know, 20, 30, 100. Um, and reverse is not even a particularly common primitive um, versus like something like catenate, which is, you know, <laughs> if you ever write a program without four copies of catenate, that's what are you even doing? Um, a lot of programs don't use square root. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> that uh, that the main reason to include square root is not actually because I think it's a great primitive, but because I think it's an okay primitive and the symbol is well known. So, um, but in terms of other stuff like, yeah, like the matrix multiplication primitive, like base and encode, I think they are just, uh, they pack too much in which is convenient, but I don't think that really fits into the model of array programming that, that makes it work well. Language design is a real challenge. Like, there's just no way around it. When you're deciding what goes in and what goes out, and in the end, you're, well, you're creating a language, which in the end, the old notation as a tool of thought creates the the output that programmers can easily do with it. So, I kind of agree with Marshall. It's not so much about making something difficult to do, but quite often you can shape people's behavior by what's easy to do. And uh, and if you make something easy to do, they're more likely to do it. Yeah, and so I think the things that should be easy to do are not um, are not just like the the conveniences or whatever, but they should be things that are that are fundamentally like good ways to think about problems, um, like thinking in terms of uh, plus scan. Uh, I think that's a lot of the time, a great way to think about problems, it's uh, it's connected to a lot of other primitives. It opens up, you know, new possibilities if you really understand plus scan well. Um, thinking in terms of matrix division, well, I mean, it's a fundamental operation in linear algebra, but in other fields, it's not going to get you anywhere. So, well, there are some actually some problems where some optimization problems that you might not immediately connect with linear algebra, but are actually solvable using matrix division. I'm not defending here that matrix division is an APL, though it has been for a very long time. Um, I'm just saying that sometimes having these tools available makes you realize that you can, when you look through, what am I, what's in my toolbox, what can I use? I can use something that I might not immediately have associated with my problem domain, but use it in new novel ways. And, and the generalization of things can help with that. So many programming languages will have matrix multiplication, which in APL is known as plus dot times and in J is plus slash space dot times. Um, but then this generalization of separating out the summation and the multiplication so that you can slot in other functions made people realize that they can, this construct actually, this pattern comes up in other domains and they can use it in all kinds of fanciful ways. Speaking of competitive and, and recreational programming, it used to be at, in, I think there were some APL newsletters that used to have um, some inner product with some two operands and then challenging people to send in, what can you use this construct for, right? this derived function for? And some of them are well-known um, or dot and and dot equal, um, and some of them are more obscure. So I don't think you can just say what are the things that will be commonly used by supplying you with something. 
that you might not commonly use in, by thinking of it immediately, you can expand your mind, apply things in new novel ways you might not otherwise do. But at the same time, if you're using an inner product many times in a program, what does that mean? It's more used than partition maybe, but but you're seeing, you know, 10 times in a program or something. It's very memorable when you use it, but it's not actually used often. This brings us on to a use case for the advent of code competition. I wasn't sure whether I'd talk about it today because <clears throat> I don't think it applies to the other array languages. A little bit of a story to this. There are a lot more Q programmers than there are K programmers. And Q, of course, is a domain-specific language for time series embedded in the K programming language. When the K programming language appeared, or this is my story about it anyway, um, people with a background in APL and J and Lisp jumped on it and said, this is wonderful. This is this is just the language we need. It just just the things we need. Um, but people who were coming to use it from a, a completely unrelated background found it very strange. And Q was developed to let them get the use of KDB um, with a with a much shorter learning curve. So if you rock up for an introduction to the Q programming language, you're going to be shown some fairly simple stuff. It's very impressive how quickly you can get into productive use. Um, but a lot of the thinking that's inherited from APL and J and Lisp, um, you kind of won't encounter. You're able to get to work using, for example, SQL-like query stuff. Um, without without engaging with those concepts from the array languages. And this led to a thing. People would look at the kind of terse solutions written by um, people who come from an APL and K and J background and would say, how do you think of that stuff? Where does that come from? And as I think I've spoken on the podcast about before, the this led to the um, the veterans getting dubbed the the Q gods, as if it was some kind of divine thing, um, uh, and and of course our biggest textbook has been got dubbed Q for mortals. So. Advent of code. Um, Q being a proprietary language, a great deal of its user base being very secretive trading rooms. There's not been a lot of expert Q exposed to the world. And Advent of code draws some of these veterans out of the woodwork and they start publishing Q solutions to, to the problems. And I've been at work over the last month scarfing these solutions up, some of them from uh, private forums, and collating them in the hope of explaining them to the world, or to any rate to that part of the world that's interested, uh, because these solutions do show off some very, very smart people thinking through an array language paradigm and how to use Q in that way. And on a good day, when I'm smart enough and I can stumble through their solutions, I can break that down 
for a novice Q program. I've uh, been doing that on our community um, repo on GitHub, cubists slash study Q. I'm up to, as of uh, about lunchtime today, I'm up to day 15. <laughs> and I'm hoping to be able to do the remaining 10, uh, 10 puzzles. So that's, for me, I think it's a very important use case for advent of code. The, the puzzles are relatively relatively small, um, well understood, um, and it's a, a rare opportunity to see expert Q programmers at work on them. And I think, yeah, there's... We should compile a list, not just of uh, the Q ones, because I know, Marshall, you were updating. And I did see right before I joined the the recording for this is that you have a now graph version of all the folks that have um, been solving BQN. I guess we should qualify this as um, I am on this list and I am not a BQN expert. So there's, <laughs> I'm sure this is just an amalgamation of folks out in the wild. So there's going to be varying levels of expertise. Uh, uh, but I mean, one thing it does show is that uh, a large number of people have uh, have decided, well, I don't know anything about array languages, but I'm going to try advent of code in BQN this year. And um, many, many of them have found some success with that. Uh, I mean, very few people have solved all of the problems in BQN, but um, <clears throat> most people, uh, I was thinking even, you know, how can I trim this list? And uh, maybe I'll cut off the people who've only done one day in BQN, but there's like four of those people. So <laughs> almost everybody uh, chose to then, having solved their first day, do another day in BQN and and so on. Uh, of course, I don't have any information about the people who just, uh, who uh, tried and found it too hard and, uh, and just dropped it. But um, yeah, it does seem that in a very short amount of time, you can learn enough with BQN to solve some not trivial problems yeah it's it's a good point that steven makes is that you know we've been talking about whether quote-unquote recreational programming leak code having a code um code golfing is this you know is it a good thing bad thing you know and and steven's point being that it's a great opportunity for people that are interested in a language and looking to learn um to be able to, especially at, at the start of Advent of Code and most leak code problems, at least the first couple are, are quite simple. They're digestible chunks that aren't going to take, you know, a screen full of, I mean, it's very rare that there's a screen full of <laughs> an array language code, but a lot of these, you know, day one is going to be, you know, what is that? Probably three primitives in Q um, and similar to the other array languages. So whether it's um, QJ, APL, uh, BQN, you know, these are, at least for me, I, I love watching little five minute YouTube videos of people walking you through this um, because you can very quickly. And I think I was thinking this when I can't remember if it was when Stephen was talking or something that I, I kind of joke about the character count, but like potentially like I should stop joking about it because it's not really that um, it's so few characters. It is the ability to very succinctly express exactly what you want to do. And if I can do that in a language like Haskell that also spells out the primitives, that's just as beautiful for me because it's just, it's remo it's removing the um, details that are unnecessary. Like when I'm writing things in C++ and in order to write a small unary function in the form of a Lambda, there's so much noise that comes with it. Like literally every single type of 
brace or parentheses. The square ones, the curly ones, the round ones. I'm not joking. Every single one. You can even get, you can add template parameters now ever since C++20 and put the angle chevron ones in there. Like there's a t-shirt joke that was given out at a conference that has left bracket, right bracket, left angle, right angle, uh, left paren, right paren, uh, brace, brace, semicolon. And that was like valid C++. Like it's, or, and actually there's an extra set of left left right parentheses because you can immediately invoke that previous valid c++ code like it's just like bloop. it's it's you know it's not nonsense it's 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 the language we write in but you compare that to any of the languages that we sort of talk about on on this podcast and it's just so it's just the essence of what you want to say um there's there's nothing extra uh now if you had unbalanced parentheses you'd have you could you could do stuff in j if I had uh, uh, what? Un- Not actually Prince. You <laughs> <laughs> make a polyglot. Well, yeah, yeah. It would be brackets actually in braces. We we unbalance those. We don't have to match them. Up. Oh, right, because of take and drop. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, parentheses do balance. Yeah. So I, I do get you know, it's a joke about the. Uh, no, they don't, Bob. Not if you're defining stuff. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, under the old yeah yeah for sure. There's single, single uh, right paren. Yeah. And Adam has, oh yeah, posted a link to uh, something we'll put in the show notes that is not utterable on our family-friendly <laughs> podcast uh, that is uh, generates some JavaScript code, which uh, is somewhat similar to the the C plus plus code that I mentioned. But yeah, and and do we have lists? So we've got a Q repository curated by yours truly, Stephen, with actual, you know. Hans, are you showing multiple solutions or is it one solution that are taken from different folks that are posting these online? I've uh, uh, I've done a bit of both, actually. I've scarfed up um, and put in the scripts, at least commented out, all the solutions I found. Um, and you can see where I found them and who the authors were. Oh, nice. But, um, some, of, some, of these, some of these scripts are just like going for the solution as fast as possible so you can you know type it in on advent of code and get you get your gold star i've been going through them trying to work out the best way to bring out the concepts involved and show a, a q-like approach so i've po- also posted articles discussing them and there's a single page which uh, I, I just put up on our chat which has kind of like the the exhibition versions of the solutions and does jay and apl do we have similar things we can point folks that are interested in collections of these or they're just out in the wild um out in the wild mostly i guess raul miller has been doing a whole bunch of stuff with uh with advent of code this year and has done it in past years and i i think he's going to make it available on the wiki i think we'll attach it to that because there's some advent of code solutions and stuff in the wiki they're not so much curated i don't think so in other words i I think what uh, steven's doing is a much bigger service and that he's sort of interpreting and and explaining them i don't think that's necessarily true but i think if you're looking for advent of code either searching the forums in j or searching in the wiki you'll find some and and you'll you'll be able to read code that solves the problem right that we have in the apl wiki the collection of advent of code yeah. we mentioned this before yeah oh yeah that's right we mentioned that a couple episodes ago yeah so well yeah we'll once again link all those um 
and yeah, I'm not sure. We're, we're definitely once again past you know the podcast that rarely ever meets meets the uh, 60 minute mark that we aim for. Um, I'm not sure if we want to circle back to sort of Alex's question. Um, if there's anything we want to, after having talked about, are we still in announcements? Technically, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, I mean, I feel like uh, based on the cr- criteria that Alex has given, you're not really going to go wrong um, with any of the languages, except I guess Marshall said that he wouldn't recommend BQN because of the the nascency. Is that a word nascency? Um, and, but for all the other ones, I think. You know, there's communities that exist for all of them. Um, I I found it interesting. He's sort of, it seems to me he's learning towards machine learning because that's what he's doing professionally right now. And I was kind of thinking about whether any of these, I mean, a lot of people talk about these languages being perfectly, you know, positioned to be able to take advantage of machine learning and AI and stuff. I don't buy it. And it, it just doesn't seem to me that that's taken off in that direction. Not saying it couldn't. But I haven't seen people exploiting that so much. There is a um, there is a paper called Convolutional Neural Networks in APL that was published at uh, Array Twenty. Or I, I think it was a few a few years ago at this point. But we'll link it in the show notes. So there there has been some research and um, academic writings on the topic of it. But and I think also um, doesn't Rodrigo have a video series of uh, building up a neural network? in um apl and running it on some ocr database or something like that yeah. um I, I do recall seeing a video the, yes there's, there's a bunch more doesn't apl.wiki slash nn will take you to stuff with neural networks including rodrigo's um so there's a whole collection there and um, one thing i'd like to comment on in from the email he said that he was going to he was planning on going through ray polivka's new book and obviously, Ray Pilivka is an authority when it comes to teaching APL, as he's been doing that for about twice as long as any of us has lived. And But his new book is very raw. It, it is a draft in big, red, bold letters. Um, and I'm not, and it's not even the target he's not even in the target audience he's a professional right and and this is an a book for beginners to even programming to intended for youngsters so i'm not sure that's really the best resource to use for now so maybe what we should also do is uh i'm not sure if we want to curate a list of these but we steven mentioned fun q um do we want to mention a book or two books for each language, if you if you have by by the time you finish listening to this, Alex, if you've chosen your language and you want to start with a book or even maybe just a website, should we should we go around and we already I guess got fun cue from Stephen and cue from mortals was talked about. I'm sure you've listened to the the episode with Nick a couple episodes back. Well, I would protest a little bit on that because it depends who you are. All right. We're not going to do what I just said. <laughs> Depends who, who you are and what you're looking for. There can't be one set of learning materials that's the right for everybody. But this is for Alex. And we're not talking about for folks. We're, so for him specifically. We're talking about for Alex. Okay. This is, we're speaking to you directly, Alex, now. <laughs> if, if we weren't for the entire episode anyways. Uh. <laughs> that, that I'm with you on. All right, go ahead, Adam. What is it, what is it for Dialogue APL? I would say Stefan Kruger's book, Learning uh, APL, is the right way in. And then once he's comfortable enough with that, then you can 
go on to things specifically about the subjects that he's interested in, like those neural networks resources. Awesome. We now go to go go to Bob for Jay. I, I would lean on uh, Henry Rich's book, Jay for C Programmers. Even though uh, Alex isn't a C programmer, it's uh, sort of consistent, um, that type of a programming language that, you know, most people are familiar with. And it, it, it bases it on that and explains a lot of the concepts with the RAID languages. And it's very comprehensive. It covers a lot of different topics. And one more thing I'll add for neural networks is if you go to J Playground and you go to examples, there is a running example of a neural network. And you can actually see the code and the, the results as well. And that's J Playground, which is online. So you don't even have to download J to do it. You can just flip that on, go to the example, go to neural networks and run it and it'll run in your browser. All right. And last but not least, I don't think to my knowledge that there is a BQM book yet. Shout out to the listener because you might be listening to this. And unless if I'm going to be corrected by Marshall in a second, you could write that book and then be the answer to this question in the future. But Marshall, <laughs> where would you send uh yeah, well, I mean, I don't know why everybody's talking about there's no one right resource for everyone. I mean, in BQN, the right resource is the BQN tutorials and documentation, because that's all we've got. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it is very good. <laughs> it is. We talked about that on a previous episode. It's uh... The tutorial is cut off in, the, in somewhere around two thirds of the way through the fourth tutorial. But other than that. Yeah. I mean, I, I f almost always go to BQN when I'm switching between, because I, I think I mentioned this like five times before, they have dictionaries, multi-directional multi dictionaries um, with J and APL uh, and BQN. And so a lot of the times I'll just go there. Well, even if I'm not trying to do something in BQN, sometimes I'm going from APL to J and I will go through BQN as an IR <laughs> in order to figure out what I'm trying to do. Probably not the best way to do it, but... Um, those docs are so great that they are uh, useful for that. All right. Anything? We've got uh, tons of recommendations in this episode. Adam's got his hand up. Well, so I'd like to make it a little bit more general also then that the APL wiki has this page called learning resources where things are exactly classified into what kind of person are you? What is, and then some resources that might fit you for that. And the K wiki also has a page of uh, learning resources. It's not really classified as much... Well, it's not classified by who you are, but it has a list of that. Uh, and so on. JWiki, I think, has uh, a list of learning resources somewhere that we can link to. Yep, we have newcomers. And BQN, there's only one source of learning materials. So, Yeah, I mean, there's a community page that links to a few things that other people have done, like their um, their Connors videos and uh, another person's done videos. The BQM book. It's coming soon, I could tell you. They've got the Rust book. The BQM book sounds even better because it's an alliteration. Um, Bacon, the best parts. Bacon, the crunchy bits. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. We got, what is that, three, four book titles? The listeners. We got we to gotta start crowdsourcing this before you know it. <laughs> we just need the content. <laughs> All we need is the text. It's the easy part. Now, if we could only name a podcast. <laughs> working on it. Working on it. Well, I... Oh, man, do I put spaces in my book title or not? Oh, no. <laughs> But see, APL has a primitive that can remove spaces. So there's that. Oh, that's right. Without. I was like, what? Um, I thought you meant all in one. Yeah, you have to give it the right uh, the, the Right, yeah. The space, dyadic but... I was thinking a, there's a unary function that removes white spaces. I was like, <laughs> uh, no. But, so 
you're clearly short one because you don't have a primitive that can add spaces in at the appropriate spots. Mm. Yeah, Jay has that kind of, right? We need a primitive that goes from array cast to the array cast because, I mean, that's something we need to be able to do. All right, we'll do that on a... Solve that live on a future episode of a Raycast. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll throw it. We'll wrap it up there. We'll throw it to Bob. Um, you can reach us at contact at arraycast.com. That's a Raycast, one word, no spaces. So, <laughs> so there you go. Don't worry about the capitalization, it's not that important. Uh, but contact at arraycast.com. And that's how Alex got in touch with us, as a number of other people did. So uh, thank you for sending in uh, your emails. And what we usually do is I, I forward them on to the, uh, the Slack group. Um, that doesn't mean I reply to everyone. Um, when I get a chance to, I do reply to them just to give some feedback that we got it. And thanks for, for contacting us. But they do go into the Slack group, so everybody who's on the panel get, gets a chance to uh, to see what's being sent in. And if there are comments back, we send them back to you. So um, that's a good way to get in touch with us and propose ideas or guests or anything else you'd like to hear or criticisms that you have of what we're doing. Um, if you've made it this far into the program, holy smokes. <laughs> I don't know whether I want to hear somebody who's persistent enough to listen to this and they're still very critical. But uh, yeah, if you if you've got things we could do better, let us know and we'll see what we can do. Um, or maybe we'll have you on and you can show us how we would do it. <laughs> um, but that's all we got. Yeah. I think this is what our, our second, uh, second response to a person that wrote in. Cause I think we did this once before. Um, but yeah, you are not guaranteed that your letter will get turned into a podcast episode or a part of a podcast episode. But, um, if you do have questions that you'd like to have answered, um, yeah, we do these every once in a while. I guess we're one per one per year at the moment, but we could increase the frequency if that's what the people want. Um, we have uh, we have brought in guests based on people's suggestions, so that certainly has happened, which has been uh, really useful in widening out because there there are a lot of array language and array language adjacent groups that we aren't always aware of. Um, actually, I'm probably between Stephen Marshall and Adam, I think. They're probably aware of just about everything, but it does give me some focus on who might be interested in talk to. And John Ernest was a example of one of those. Although I think it was Stephen Apter and Joel Kaplan had already suggested him, but there were listeners that said, "Yeah, you should really talk to him." And obviously, we did, and we should have. Yeah, yeah. And and for those that you know, we mentioned bringing on someone from Jelly. It is on our uh, roadmap to kind of get representatives of some of these. I don't want to say less well-known, but like outside the Iversonian uh, language circle, like um, I think Neil actually might be in the circle, but uh, you know, languages like Julia, et cetera, that are <laughs> Marshall's, Marshall's smiling. Cause he's, he's ready at the door to, <laughs> to knock someone out. But uh, we, we definitely plan on having uh, you know, some language representatives or, or um, creators to come on to talk about these other sort of either less well-known or sort of, you know, not in the top five languages that we're talking about on this podcast, which um, should be great conversations when we get to those. Um, but with that, we will say happy new year and happy array programming. Happy, happy array programming. programming.